0: Welcome to the 49th episode of the ABC Pod, the adult book club with Taja and Russell. This episode features Stone Maidens by Lloyd Devereaux Richards. Spoilers are between the 38 and the 1 hour 25 minute marks. We discuss the book's late rise to viral fame over a decade after it was released, as well as what we thought Richards did well and some veteran tricks he used in this debut novel. We also talk about some issues we had with it and then wrap up with our usual segments. So with that... Let's hear it. Well, Taja and Russell, they both love reading books. Taja and Russell, they both love reading books. Well, what do you do when you share such a love? Well, you start a club. You start a club and adult book club—an adult book club—and a podcast. Welcome to the 49th episode of the ABC Pod, the Adult Book Club with Taja and Russell. I. I'm Russell, she is Taja. Oh, well, hello. Hello there. Welcome back, everybody. On this episode, we are excited to bring you Stone Maidens by Lloyd Devereaux Richards. But before we get to that and the story behind that book, it has been two weeks. Taja, what has been going on?
1: Last weekend, last Friday, was Barry's birthday. Happy birthday, um, Barry! So we did some birthday shenanigans. He requested... <laughs> Burger King breakfast, so we went and got Burger King for breakfast, and then did a little FaceTime with, with his parents, and then we went golfing, took him golfing, where, obviously, as listeners may know, I drive the cart, he plays the game, and uh, he got under 100, and he only lost 15 balls, and I found 44, nice. so going strong. Nice. And then we went to Al's, which is like a burgers and fries kind of joint yeah. for dinner, And then got some crumble cookie for dessert, which is like a chain of really dank cookies. They're so intense and very expensive, but worth it. They're very good uh they did get our order wrong but it was okay because they all still tasted good and then last weekend we also planned our summer vacation which i had like taken off a week of work which actually is only like three days of work because it's a over the july 4th holiday so (laughs) worked out well for me in terms of actual vacation time and yeah we're gonna be going to puerto rico and i'm pretty excited
0: Nice. Yeah, that's always exciting to have something to look forward to.
1: Yeah. Yeah, it was a stressful planning time where we got really discouraged about how expensive everything is. And yeah, we're we're pleased to have come up with a solution that we're both excited about. So
0: nice. For me, the two weeks have been pretty much a lot of outdoor work, which is nice. Mm-hmm. Uh, we'll take it. So I've been working on breaking boulders out back and moving the in ra- the hot sun. Oh, yeah. Oh, well, it's been kind of cooler, which is nice, uh, and a lot of this is out behind the house, so I do have the natural shade of the house for, oh, for right. this, which is helpful, but uh, I, so we're doing some edging work with the Broken Stone, oh, kind of where you park, so I'll have an update on my Instagram in the next, probably, probably two weeks, Um, we'll see, uh, it's probably going to slow down with getting ready for camp, which is the other thing I've been doing, which is collecting junk, because we're bringing back the True American Outdoor Course, <laughs> so... I've been finding, the the goal this year, last year, I brought a whole truckload of stuff that that I had to bring back to the house just for True American.
1: Yeah,
0: Yeah, because I also bring another truck and a half of just stuff for camp. So I didn't want to do the back and forth. So I've been hunting garbage, basically furniture that I can just manipulate and leave it and we can burn or whatever. So I've been doing that. We're up to 17 pieces. You need 20. So we're almost there. Uh, okay. on top of this, I went to my dump where I found a few pieces and I got yelled at for trying to take, they had like, you know, those accordion doors for, uh, like closets that are made. Yeah. of wood. So they had one of those in like the, the big dumpster and I was like, well, that'd be perfect. It's wood. I can make a ramp out of it. And the guy was like, Hey, you can't take anything out of there. And I was like, but why not? <laughs> <laughs> and I didn't say that. I went, really? And he went, yeah. And I went oh and then i like i have this weird thing because you know i don't talk to people so then like the whole like rest of the day i replayed that interaction in my head and was like does that guy think i'm an asshole i don't know maybe and like he probably doesn't even think about it after he's told me to fuck off but i like the rest of the day i was like i'm I'm a wanted man at my local dump i can tell now they're like
1: on scene to him like having dinner with his his significant other and being like there was this guy trying to take stuff out of the dumpster.
0: Fucking long-haired hippie trying to save (laughs) shit from the dump. Uh, Because people pay to put it in there. So I'm like, I'm saving you. You know, somebody paid. I took it out. I'll get rid of it. You don't
1: have to deal with it. Now
0: you get more money, right? Come on, I'm saving the town. Have you,
1: you've probably already done this, but have you like tried driving around at this time of year? Oh, yeah. just like stuff at the end of people's driveways.
0: Yeah, but it's always difficult with True American because as soon as you get elevated...
1: Yeah, I that's,
0: want the differences I've, in heights, but I've yeah. injured myself. Yes, and, and there's the weight requirement where a lot of stuff people put outside. If you've got two or three people standing on it,
1: won't stand. Yeah, it could be
0: an issue. Yeah. So it's always play at your own risk. But I just we, I enjoyed it so much last year that I was like, no, nah, I'm gonna. I wasn't gonna do it, and then I was like, no, nah, we're gonna do it. So no,
1: it's worth
0: it. It's been fun, and on top of that, I spent a day cutting up that tree that came down. The rest of the way. So we will have wood to burn because it's going to be like 50 degrees at night. And I've already taken a truckload full of logs down and I've got probably another half load too. So we'll have plenty of wood
1: for some camping
0: fires. So that's That's it.
1: Also, like fifty degrees at night is like nothing to shake a stick at when previous years have been like thirty something. Been
0: snowing, yeah. No, yeah. I, knock on wood. Uh, Ten days out, we're looking okay for weather, so we'll see if that sticks.
1: I don't even look until like Wednesday or Thursday of the week of.
0: I start a month ahead. AccuWeather monthly forecast. Yep, let's go. And then it's like, oh, it's bad. Two days it's later, oh, it's nice. good.
1: I, I'm, I'm. I can't. Being a meteorologist. It. It's gotta be like the cakest job ever.
0: Oh, the like, model changed. You're lying. Oh, a yeah, low yeah. pressure system came through.
1: hmm mm-hmm. yeah. Everything's different now.
0: Yeah, nobody can see anything you say. But uh yeah, so that's been it's it's fun to get outside. It's fun to make Frankensteins for you guys to walk across oh. and stand on. So we'll mm-hmm. see how it goes. Um I'm excited. I got to like I said, I dropped off that wood down at camp. Camp looks amazing as always. So I'm very excited to get down there next weekend.
1: How um, glampy is Amanda going this year? Is there additions to the glamping or is it I staying don't, pretty much? I still? don't
0: think there's any additions. We'll see. Um, you know, we'll see. There's enough already. I honestly forgot. I pulled out my cot today. I forgot that we bought a new tent last year because she needed a higher ceiling tent. Like I was ready to grab the old one. I'm like, oh, fuck, we have this one. I forgot. So I'm sure I'll find I... out that I forgot about. <laughs>
1: I've been considering bringing out, breaking out the chilbo wagons again to leave in like the vestibule of our tent. But we're like, not really. We we always like pitch our tent so much further from the snorers that it's not, doesn't really make sense to like do what Amanda does and create like a comfy space. It doesn't make
0: sense to do what she does. It's not like anyone hangs out
1: in our tent, <laughs> but she really likes it. so It does look amazing.
0: It does. It adds to the comfort level, I guess, so
1: hmm I mean, didn't you say the cot and situation was really comfy last time?
0: Oh, the cot's great. I'm talking about how we have, like, a side table and a reading chair and a fucking... Uh, and,
1: like, a rug. Yeah,
0: all the shit that you're like, okay, whatever, whatever. She brings it. It all fits in her car. She can do whatever she wants. It's what it is. That's fair. I'm moving away from camp and getting back to the mm-hmm. podcast... Anyway, we did also celebrate two years of the ABC yeah. pod. Uh this was, birthday
1: podcast.
0: Yep. Yeah, May 17th was officially when we released the first podcast. We had recorded it, I don't know, two weeks earlier, but yeah. I go by the release date because I don't remember when we recorded it. That's um, So that was that was neat. Uh got to see kind of everything we've done. We're now on 49 books. So next episode will be 50, the big five-o. And I was listening back to episode 10. And we're like, episode 10, such a big deal. I can't believe we're still doing it. So <laughs> I do I, I get happy that we still do it, that we still take the time we and do. work around schedules to to talk about books. And we actually have people listening to it. So thank you guys for yeah. listening to it. It really means a lot to actually have an audience and
1: people who listen. <laughs> yeah.
0: I, I look at the numbers and I, I get a little smile every other day. So yeah. my mom
1: actually told me she listened to the last the last episode because she had also read that book. Nice, so, yeah
0: thanks Cynthia mm-hmm. so on that note if you wanted to see a little thing we put together for that you can follow us on Instagram or Twitter we're at adult book club 21 it's adult book club all one word and then the number 21 to signify the year we started two years 2023 crazy how math works Isn't uh, so come find us there And now, getting back to the book, once again, this is Stone Maidens by Lloyd Devereaux Richards. Stone Maidens is the debut novel by Richards and was originally finished in 2009. After being turned down by over 80 literary agents, it was published in 2012 and did not sell well. In February 2023, Richard's daughter made a TikTok about how much the book meant to him and how hard he worked on it while always putting his family first. The clip went viral, seeing almost a million views overnight, and pushed the book to number one on Amazon's bestseller list and causing a reprint. Richard shared he's been working on a sequel for about four and a half years, which will be released later this year. Also, according to his agent, there are negotiations for a film adaptation for Stone Maiden. So... I like I I looked for the clip because you had seen it and I hadn't and the one I found was like 13 seconds is that like it's very short
1: I don't remember the one I saw was like him walking around his house and like his yard I don't remember
0: okay well I mean the one I found it didn't seem like much and for that to blow up this I mean great for them for him mm-hmm. that's awesome especially when you figure all the work he put into this yeah. and Great on him, but I think it's crazy that because of that viral clip, they're like, oh, we're going to do a movie now, too. It's like uh, community, seven seasons in a movie or six seasons in a movie, whatever. It's like, maybe we should have stopped while we're ahead. But anyway, (laughs) we're going to get into the book now. So Taja, if you want to read the cover, we'll get started.
1: All right. A serial killer is strangling young women and dumping their lifeless bodies in the steep forested ravines of southern Indiana. With each corpse, he leaves a calling card, a stone figurine wedged deep inside the victim's throat. The police have never seen anything like it, but FBI forensic anthropologist Christine Prusick has. In fact, it's a ritual she knows all too well. Years ago, she was a naive young researcher doing fieldwork in Papua New Guinea when she was attacked by tribesmen who placed carved stones inside the bodies of their dead. Prusick barely escaped with her life, and a nasty scar from the wound intended to house her own death charm. Is it a grisly coincidence or is someone sending her a message? Now she must find the killer before he finds her and finally completes the deadly ritual begun in a distant jungle so long ago.
0: Nice. So after a one-page prologue, the book starts with us experiencing the killer, finding and then hunting his prey. What did you think of this setup of the book as we get the killer's point of view early and often throughout?
1: I thought it was pretty interesting. I sort of like that. Not necessarily behind the curtain viewpoint, but sort of the flip side of the coin, because so often with thrillers like this, crime thrillers, you're often getting not necessarily the crime in the moment, or you are, but not through the perspective of the killer. It gave me some Then She Was Gone vibes, that book. I think yeah. you read that, right? Yeah. Yeah. And I don't know. It was neat because I feel like it. it isn't as often done.
0: Yeah, the thing that stood out to me is like, even if you have seen it, you see it once or it's used as the prologue. It's used as the catch to bring you in. That's like, we've talked about it before, this moment of excitement. And then it's like, okay, we're in the doldrums of the case. So the fact that we kept going back to the killer's perspective or a victim's perspective, this being a serial killer, there would be different points when it happened. I appreciated that. And the fact that we learned a bit about our killer without giving anything overly away but when you look back there were some hints and clues about spoilers later on so totally i really liked that side of it especially coming from an unknown author a debut mm. novel like mm. that seemed like something that is learned yeah. um and even looking into richards like his background is like either as a lawyer or as like a clerk for a lawyer or a something clerk, like that yeah. it's not writing so i just thought that was such a cool different way to do it that I would expect from somebody like Harlan Coben not somebody who this is their debut novel so that definitely helped with hooking me and being like okay some respect on this book it's not just for a viral moment there is something here as well
1: yeah yeah I mean and I think that We talked about this a little bit before we started recording from, like, it's, I don't want to say it's obvious that it's a debut novel, but there are certain things about it that clue you into that. But there's also quite a bit that, like, is impressive for somebody who, this is not their day job. I mean, he literally was writing this book while he was doing his normal job. So to have those skills and use those tricks of the trade, so to speak, um, yeah, I think he did a really good job with that. And it was, it made it hooky in the beginning, but also was a neat way to kind of, not that not necessarily that you needed to be drawn back in, but it kept you kind of on the, the edge of your seat.
0: Yeah, it did. It felt like a very successful cutscene. Like, okay, we've been yeah. with Christine Prusik for a while, and now boom, 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 this is what our killer's doing. And uh, totally. again, not just used to hook you, but used to also just give you more of their mindset as you're trying to figure out who this is while the FBI is. And also I appreciated that it kind of like gave us more information than Christine had. Right. Like, yeah. Totally. We saw the killings happen. We kind of learned about bits of the ritual. Uh not that it really cleared up what the hell was going on or why he was doing it. But right. it did kind of show us things that then the FBI is trying to figure out as they're trying to find the killer. So I did appreciate that, too, because it's like anything. I like having more knowledge than somebody right? else. <laughs> it, it's nice to be able to hold that over your main character. Like, come on. You know, we kind of know that we stuff. We figured that out yeah. It's pretty simple. We were there. <laughs> <laughs> so speaking of her, uh, chapter two, we get to meet our main protagonist. And that is FBI forensic anthropologist Christine Prusay. So wondering what stood out to you about her character?
1: I wrote smart but frazzled, like the anxiety and depression angle that she had going for her. I mean, I guess more heavily on the anxiety, but that like is such a common thing <laughs> in the world that it was like, it almost seemed more realistic to have her have the main character have those types of issues, um, you know, need to be medicated and have panic attacks and especially in a high stress job that she has I mean she's literally hunting down a serial killer I can't imagine you do that without any anxiety um the less cool aspect was how heavy the like affair with the boss was that I don't know if that like colored my perception of her or of her situation with the boss I don't know it just kind of felt like maybe it was an unnecessary thing and maybe it was because the author is male that that felt maybe like not his place. I don't know. I don't really know where I'm going with that. It just didn't really, it didn't ring as true to me as the rest of her character, the rest of her points of her character.
0: Yeah, it was really interesting finding out this book was originally finished in 2009. Like the openness of mental health Mm -hmm. has come so far. I mean, Mm -hmm. 14 years from when he finished this book that I don't think you would see or like anxiety was being talked about. I mean, this was kind of after college if I had went to college for me, but I still think that it was still kind of not as openly discussed. It was kind of starting to be openly discussed. So the fact that that played such a heavy part in this, I found very interesting and and Mm -hmm. made it feel more present day. The flip side of that, is the affair with the boss where that felt just kind of shoved in there to make her already shitty relationships at work, even shittier. And then also like make her question what she's doing. Cause she like, And she, her I,
1: value as a person, like. Yeah.
0: And their whole, like every situation or conversation, whether it was on the phone or in person that she had with her boss, Thorne was <laughs> so cringy. And there'd be like those weird moments where he'd like, she'd be like, oh, he kind of said this, where it like reminded her of when he was gentler. And then it would be like how cold he was now. And it was like, I did not. And it's not even from a sex standpoint, like it usually is for me. It was just strictly like, I was like, this is just, it doesn't feel right. And as we were kind of saying, giving him credit for how he used the killer's point of view in his writing and how that felt New and different. This felt old and tired, uh, and very unappreciated.
1: Very nineties. Very nineties. Yeah. Like the one female FBI agent having an affair with their boss. Like, mm.
0: and for her too. Like going back to her anxiety part. Like she talks about how this is her first time reading a task force or whatever they call mm-hmm. it. Even though she's, uh, you know, supposed to be like the head of the lab, she's like doing field work now too, and she has to deal with Howard who is uh, kind of the head of the field task force and their relationship is such shit that it's just, I get that you want to have that like me against the world and like we have her back, like everything's stacked up against her and she's working real hard and she's like sticking it to the man and sticking it to her coworkers and fuck that and all that. But it just felt like it was way over the top where from what i would think the fbi is doing with a serial killer that has killed at least 3 people they wouldn't be like well i'm going to withhold information from you because i don't like you and yeah. you're going to have to try to figure this out. they're like she has a break in the case and they're like that's not it hangs up on her it was there was a lot of that where it's like that doesn't where a lot of his other things felt believable that part of it her relationships didn't
1: not only her relationships but like that other guy's like lack of professionalism like yeah i get it you might not like that she's technically your boss in this situation but like you said it's a pretty serious subject matter you're investigating the murders of multiple people and you can't be bothered to just like loop everybody in (laughs) it i was telling russell before we started recording that this gave me Twister vibes, like the carry Elway guy is Howard, and his team is doing their own thing. And then she is Helen Hunt, and just like, you know, trying to do the science. And it was, yeah... It gave me those vibes. And that
0: was another thing, too, where like it it felt like Richards understood the science or at least made it believable enough that like the people, you know, how much evidence they were trying to collect and how like they talked about how long the sites, you know, how long it took them to find the bodies, the contamination and all that. So like there's a lot of that stuff where it was like your author believed in the science and then wrote all the men, at least in the FBI, to not like they were like, well, we're, we're going to stay on this. Well, none of the evidence points to that. Well, this is it. We have our guy. And it's just that part, like getting point. back to Christine. Great. She showed she was super strong, female lead, strong willed. She was going to like, you know, to the point of destroying her career to to make sure she did the Follow right thing. Intuition. Yeah. Great. But it just made it kind of not feel believable when you're putting us in that position and again, it was just kind of like you talked about maybe before, maybe you already mentioned it here, where there was so much done that made it feel believable and real and like felt better than a debut novel. And yeah. then those were the situations where it was like, I feel like that, at least have one of them be on her side or not treat her like a piece of meat. Like men yeah. are not all that shitty. There are some okay ones out there.
1: <laughs> I feel like the only people within the, that she interacted with within the FBI. That were not steaming piles of shit were that forensic psychologist doctor yeah and one of the dudes on her team whose name i can't remember
0: the two lab guys that were directly under her that worked in the lab they seemed to respect her but that was kind of like not using this as a derogatory term nerd to nerd like respect of their knowledge and their brains
1: and it would, I think it had less to do with like her as a person and more to do with them like nerding out about the info that they found or whatever.
0: Yeah. Um, but, you, did, you did miss one. Her secretary was pretty badass for her. Oh my God. Yeah. Yes. <laughs>
1: well, I meant men. Sorry. Okay, I should have gotcha, said that.
0: Gotcha. Um,
1: because the on, the other person, well, no, I guess that was a different thing. But yeah, her secretary was bamf.
0: Yeah. So I, I, I did like christine i thought she was i mean we spent so much time with her she was easily our strongest character obviously because we got to know her so much and there was believability there with her anxiety and later on we'll talk about after spoilers like her view on relationships and things like that Mm. um the takeaway like like we kind of pointed out the the affair with the boss just seemed too used and we definitely could have done without that and like if he was gonna just despise her for being a woman. We didn't need her, him to have like also that despise for the affair, too. Like,
1: yeah, I felt like that was all a little bit unnecessary for the plot,
0: yeah, just piling on her yeah. all at once. So, getting back to the killings, uh, the killings done by our killer wow great sentence russ <laughs> we done using rituals that had connections to the cannibalistic tribes of new guinea i was wondering as we saw these killings happen as we see the evidence recovered by the fbi what did you make of this as like the crime in these crime thrillers is always unique and kind of interesting to i don't know just wonder where they came up with it
1: yeah, I mean, like the connection always confused me because, like, I think early on we find out about a little bit of, I mean, you know, if you're reading the back, you find out about her past and her experience in Papua New Guinea. And, but, like, this is like East Jabib, Indiana. Like, I didn't understand how there was any kind of correlation. So I did appreciate in post spoilers how that was explained ish. I still feel like it was maybe a scenario where the author read an article about this thing and then was like oh i could do this but then it's kind of like you have to really stretch the stretch it out to to make it work if that makes sense
0: well it's interesting cuz uh, all of our information comes from wikipedia or a little bit of tiktok in this episode so mm-hmm. according to wikipedia he like used unsolved cases in indiana while he was working in the whatever he did in the lawyer profession uh, for like ideas. So I don't know if there's like bits and pieces that he drew in, but to me, first of all, again, I don't know where the fuck you come up with this idea. I I Googled it. There are still cannibalistic tribes out there known. I read part of an article about it. And then I was like, I don't really want to know about these people. Anyway, (laughs) (laughs) so I can, I can see where the thought comes. Okay. All right. Yeah. Let's go really far out. I mean, these kind of stories, it's, it's like, Ever since CSI came out way back mm. when, like we have just increased and increased the like crazy and gruesome and the the horrificness of murders, whether it's in books or film or whatever, because that's like the hook, right? Okay. Did you hear yeah. about like, just think about all the murder docs now on, on Netflix. Like yeah. how many more times do people I need mean, to hear about Ted Bundy? Like let's fuck off with this
1: stuff. True crime podcast. I mean, I'm a True Crime podcast bitch. So I listened to a bunch of those, but that is so, it's so in right now, which is like kind of morbid and terrible.
0: So that's, that felt like he knew he needed something spectacular. Yeah. Really draw it in. So it's like, okay, I'm going to make these connections weird to read about. And and again, kind of just giving him credit to find, or to have that thought of the connection. Cool. The fact that again, it's the FBI who has Christine's file. Right. When this starts coming up, you know, even just like, okay, they don't know what's going on with the bodies, but they find them emptied of their organs, and she doesn't discover the stone until much later on. So, okay, you don't know the entire details, but as soon as a little bit of that starts getting put together, wouldn't you be like, okay, we have to pull her off the case?
1: I thought there was like a one-liner type scenario where she basically says that like on her application to the FBI, she lied about her, whatever had happened to her in Papua New Guinea.
0: I'm not, so I know she lied to Thorne and that was like the breakup, the beginning of the end of their affair when he asked about the scar that she had. I thought that she mentioned, I took it the exact opposite way. I thought that she mentioned that if they looked into her files, they would have like Seen that trauma or something, or like the psyche valve or something, because she's uh, taking Xanax like it's fucking candy. So, yes, she and she's doing it in front of uh Dr. Katz, the forensic psychologist. Like, yeah. so people know. And, and obviously, if she's having these breakdowns, these mental attacks. People are witnessing them. Now, it doesn't necessarily happen right in front of her boss or Howard, which would be the be all end all. But I feel like How are you not making that connection, especially since she wasn't the lead, but the reason she's the lead now is she did so well on a case, whatever, a couple of years ago, like she's proven her worth and now she's acting a little bit differently. It's like, well, maybe there's something about this case. So that was another thing. Like, like you're saying, the fact that it's happening in some small Southern Indiana county, uh, and the fact that it is directly related to an experience that the forensic anthropologist for the FBI stationed in that area just happens to have, like, a little too cute, info. info. Like, yeah. That, that, uh, and they do kind of work it out uh, in the end. We, we'll get into after spoilers with the connection and why it happened or whatever. But I did feel like it was a little bit too much that, like, if this happened in real life, they, they, people would be like, no way like yeah. that, that, there's no fucking possible way this could happen and that's way too precise of a
1: thing so convenient yeah 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 like, no i agree the whole time i was like i'm not sure i'm getting why there's why this is being allowed to occur yeah right so not the murders but you know what i mean The
0: connection. her connection how that was not brought up it's like i love how they're like oh it's like directly on the back it's like she has the greatest connection to it. it's like that's like if the guy is like giving heart attacks, and you had a family member who had heart attacks. Like that's believable connection. If it's the one cannibalistic tribe in New Guinea who puts fucking stones in their dead after they carve them out to eat them or whatever. And, oh my god, I also have experience with that. That's a little bit more. Bit
1: more. Yeah,
0: and you're the the lead on it. Like if you're working yeah. at the FBI and had some experience, fine. But the Lead. Yeah. I feel like we're being a little bit more negative than I thought would be on this book. I'm still really proud of this book. <laughs> Uh, i mean
1: like i can't imagine trying to write any book let alone my first book being like a thriller that's like a lot of i mean like fantasy you have a lot more leeway you can literally make shit up with a thriller it's much harder you've got to stick to especially one like this where it's a real time real place real not real people but you know what i mean and it's, there's there's science involved, there's law involved, there's things that people are going to recognize and call you out on, and it has to be more precise. So to have even a modicum of success with a thriller book is impressive. And this yeah, was, and it was really fun to read.
0: It was, and it was quick to read, it didn't bog you down, and there was just, you know, we'll, we'll get more flowery hopefully after spoilers. <laughs> so before we get there, we do have your Get to Know Your Podcaster question, and It's interesting because I've been scrolling Instagram a lot recently and there's like this guy... I don't even know the whole story because even as you scroll Instagram, it's like Vine. Six seconds or less? No. Okay, bye. Where I don't understand the whole story, but it's this guy who his kids have been posting about it where he like designed t-shirts in the 80s or 90s or whatever. And now it's like old becomes new again. They never sold well and he's got a shit ton of inventory, but now the designs are picking back up. So like he's been selling and selling and and these shirts that he thought were worthless are now blowing up. Kind of similar to what happened with Richards, where this viral moment brings to light this project that he had and just revitalizes it, brings it back. I mean, what was it, 12, 13 years later? Like, he, no way he's thinking about that. The only reason he's thinking about this book is probably because he's got, like, copies and copies and copies of boxes uh, laying around his house. Like, what am I going to do with this? So I was wondering, along those lines, if there's anything from your past, a moment, something you made, did, whatever, if that would shock you, if it went viral overnight like Stone Maiden's.
1: I wrote Sixes with the Dixes, baby. The best almost famous bordering on viral thing I've ever done. Listener. This is... God, what year was that?
0: No idea. No
1: idea. There was one year in the past for Dragon Con that myself and Russell and Barry and Lee and Charlie... All dressed up like Six, the Cylon from Battlestar Galactica in her red dress and wig and walked around Dragon Con. And it was the best, the best high I've ever experienced. Trisha Helfer, who plays that character, took a picture with us right in front of a sign that says don't take pictures which is also <laughs> kind of great people tweeted about it she tweeted about it and yeah that would be like if that came back now and and we got famous for that i would love that
0: <laughs> <laughs> yeah and it was uh will wheaton with the iconic sixes with Dixes. Yes. yes that was quite a moment where you do just feel that Hi as you're walking around and um so gives you a quick taste of celebrity. Oh, pictures, pictures. Yeah. Oh, hello. Yeah. Hello. Yes. Yes, we will stop. Thank you.
1: The best, well, I shouldn't say the best, but one of my favorite things about that was just walking around and we would walk in a line. So it would be like Lee and me in the front and then like the three dudes behind us and people would be like, a six, another six. And then they'd be like, a six.
0: They're getting progressively uglier.
1: <laughs> or they're Progressively hairier. <laughs>
0: um, yeah, that was, uh, Amazing. I really, somebody was like, oh, six has a great farmer's tan. I was like, all right, fuck you. Fuck you. <laughs> uh, <laughs> Rude. <laughs> Nice, yeah, that is uh, that is something that would be great uh, to have come. It's a high we always try to chase with our cosplay now because you'll never feel it again, just like drugs, folks. Nope. For me, there's the obvious answer, which is the road to price. If that ever somehow became something again, where my dad made me talk about it down in Florida to his neighbors, and I was like, I don't, yes. I don't want the olds checking it out, Dad. What are you doing? They don't even know how like, to use YouTube. YouTube. <laughs> yeah, what are they gonna call their? Hidden, be like how does youtube yeah, you work? just
1: gotta upload it to facebook and then those old people will watch it <laughs> yeah yeah exactly my dad made me watch a four minute
0: video on facebook about wolf dogs that was <laughs> it was i was really in the middle of something uh <laughs> but yeah you're right that is how it would work for sure yeah. but i'm going away from that because here's something i don't think you know not many people though because it's a failure of mine i tried to get into blogging in 2016 and I started a sports blog on WordPress because they would host it for free. Yep. I don't even remember the, the website. I knew I immediately set it up and hated it. I did two posts. I remember one was about how important Martellus Bennett being signed by the Patriots would be to fantasy football owners that year. Because it was all about a slant of how trades and acquisitions would affect fantasy, especially in a dynasty league, because that's what we do. And I did like two blogs, and then I was like, this is just... This is a lot. What are you it's doing, Russ? I'm like, thousand words, I did it. Uh, everyone's doing it. It was it was like podcasting, but back when blogging was huge in the mid 2010s. Yeah, yeah. but thankfully we've we stuck longer with the podcast, so... Since I don't even remember the name of the website, if somehow somebody was like, hey, is this that website? I, that would blow my mind in in and of itself, so.
1: That's, yeah. 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 Now that you've mentioned that, the one other thing that would kind of blow my mind if somebody found and was interested in, at one point I had an Etsy store for some shit that I made. Really? Like, these necklace things, yeah, they were crappy and I don't, if somebody wanted to buy it, I don't even think I have it anymore, so. (laughs) But that would be like from a if I had the talent, time and skill, I would try to do an Etsy store and make crafts and sell them to people. But looking at Etsy when I shop there, I am not in the same league.
0: <laughs> that's that's a man that's Amanda's go-to and the stuff she finds on there is it's fucking amazing. Yeah. It's yeah. believe it or not, people have talent.
1: Oh yeah. No, I know they do. <laughs> and it's not me. Like it would be like if a two-year-old had an Etsy store <laughs> <laughs> well
0: it's like uh, I always like uh, I did a drawing for our D&D campaign the other day and it mm. was so laughably bad but like I actually tried that it was mm. funny the group was like that's yeah. great and I was like thank you thank you that is that is the extent of my artistic skill so
1: and again it's like every kind of craft or product producing thing that I do I always have this like very well thought out plan. I know exactly the materials I'm going to need, exactly how I'm going to execute said plan. Never turns out, never. 0.01 times does it turn out the way that I expected it to.
0: It's like with the True American course, right? None of it's pretty. If I can make something functional, That's my goal. Mm. Like, I need this to work for me. I don't care how it works. That's it. Now, that doesn't sell on Etsy unless it's like, this is the best back scratcher you could ever find. It looks like dog shit, but I swear (laughs) to God, it will work for you.
1: Uh, Yeah. And I think that's part of my problem is like, I'm generally speaking, creating things that like, need to look nice and not be functional, which is my problem. If I can't execute on that, then... I mean, that's okay. So our neighbors build these raised beds and they were like, oh, we had to buy milled cedar because it was so much less expensive. So we're milling it by hand. And I was like, that is so much fucking work. They look amazing. The beds look fantastic. And I was like, okay, I got some free two by fours from my work and built some raised beds. They look like shit, but they grow veggies. So we're done.
0: Exactly. That's the difference. They work. I don't care. And I'm not going to yeah. fucking mill cedar. How about that?
1: Oh, I, they're young. <laughs> they're like 10 years younger than us. They've got. Oh,
0: they, they still have that. that Amina. Yeah. yeah.
1: <laughs>
0: <laughs> that energy. They must stay up past nine o'clock.
1: Oh my God. Like what even is that? My bedtime is before 10 every evening.
0: <laughs> yeah. I mean, come on. What are we trying to do? Prove something here?
1: Right. Mm-hmm. Certainly not milling cedar.
0: Nice. Yeah. So there you have it, folks. Try to find those things. Taj's Etsy store and my two blog. Uh, it's probably not even a website. I'm that. sure none of it still exists. But anyway,
1: you can probably find the sixes with Dixie's pick on the internet though somewhere. I bet that exists.
0: Oh yeah, no, that's all over Twitter. I haven't framed it my house. I I back. also
1: have it framed Actually. twice. <laughs> nice.
0: So anyway, that that's all about us. But we'll get back to the book now, which means we're going into spoilers. Spoilers are long, as with these thrillers, there feels like there's so much to explain in order for you to understand it. But before we get there, it is your time for your song. So this is the pop that we're going into spoilers. If you don't know this book, get out, because this is the pop that we're going into spoilers. It's time to learn what these stone maidens are all about in spoilers. 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 spoilers whoa but sometimes the spoilers gets cut out by the mic so you gotta throw it out there. Oh. <laughs> i'm learning speaking of which i had like when when i was listening to old episodes the editing has gotten so much better oh thank good for, job thank you for sticking around people through the editing ups and downs of the early episodes <laughs> anyway back to spoilers so when a suspect named david claremont is brought in because of his likeness to the police sketch the fbi believe they have their man when he is identified positively by an eyewitness they think the case is all but closed but after her interview with him, Christine is not convinced. David doesn't fit the profile and most importantly is left-handed when the killer is obviously a righty. She learns from David that he believes he has a demon living inside of him and that he has blackouts and visions that have nothing to do with him. When she returns to Chicago, she talks to Dr. Emil Katz, a forensic psychiatrist. In their conversation, he tells her about mirror twins who can be born exact opposites of each other, including direction of hair parts, cowlicks, and handedness. He also tells her about the transposition phenomenon, where family members can feel or perceive what others are feeling because of their close ties. Rusev decides to dig into David Claremont's family history because of this, acknowledging that while the witness did identify David, it wasn't until he saw his reflection in a mirror that he was truly convinced about who it was. Through her investigation, we learn that David was adopted from a poor immigrant mother before he was one years old and did have a twin brother who wasn't given up. She begins trying to find out more about the twin named Donald, but her boss at the FBI refuses to back her up on this. David has been in custody, and the field agents have sent back tons of material for her lab to work through, and her boss is frustrated at her lack of reports. After David's arrest, Christine was demoted and taken off lead of the case, replaced by her colleague Howard, who gives her no respect. Looking for help and allies, Christine asks the Crosshaven sheriff named Joe to come up to Chicago for a dinner date. When he arrives, she fills him in on what she's been looking into and asks him to come with her to investigate the home where Donald was raised. He agrees, and when they search the derelict housing apartment, they find evidence that Donald has been squatting there and canning jars filled with human remains. When Christine calls her boss, he doesn't let her explain anything, cutting her off and then hanging up. Because of this, she decides it is time for drastic measures and calls the county DA to tell them that the FBI has okayed the use of bail for David as long as he remains under house arrest. She sends the necessary paperwork, and David is bailed out the following day and put under observation. Donald has now learned about David from the news reports and decides to go rescue his brother. He sneaks onto the property and then ambushes David's therapist, who is there for a court-mandated check-in. In the struggle, the therapist is killed. Donald then subdues David and puts him in the therapist's car under some blankets and is able to escape by disguising himself. Back in Chicago, Christine's boss learns about what she's done and David's escape and puts her on leave. She is ready to go home when her secretary reminds her that she had promised the Crosshaven Brownie group that she would talk to them and hands her a plane ticket. After landing, her cab breaks down five miles from the location of the meeting and Christine decides to walk the rest of the way, having the cabbie call into the sheriff's department to let them know she was continuing on foot, which Donald then hears over a police scanner. An hour later, Christine is picked up by who she thinks is someone from the sheriff's office coming to give her a lift, but it turns out to be Donald. He no longer has David with him as his brother saw the truth about who he was and managed to escape into the woods. Christine tries to buy time with Donald, scolding him and trying to play the part of angry mother about his current actions and how he treated his brother. Donald responds by tasing her to unconsciousness. Meanwhile, Sheriff Joe has arrived at the brownie meeting looking for Christine, only to learn that one of the girls has gone missing. When he goes into the woods looking for her, he finds a disheveled David carrying the young girl back because she hurt her ankle. Joe puts David in his Bronco and continues his search for Christine. When she comes to, she is still in the car and in a last-ditch effort tries to call Joe on her cell phone discreetly. She begins stating obvious signs around them and their destination in hopes that he will hear. She then gets Donald talking about the stones he's putting in the victims and learning his story behind that. Eventually, a speeding vehicle catches up to them and rams them off the road. It's the sheriff's Bronco, which ends up on its roof in a freshly plowed field. Donald makes a run for it while Christine goes to check on Joe. Once she sees he is alive, she calls for backup, takes his gun and flashlight, and notices that David has been thrown from the vehicle. She finds Donald hiding, and when he jumps to attack her, shoots him in the stomach. They tussle some more, but when she breaks free, he runs off again. After chasing him down a second time, she is attacked once more, only to be saved by David, who then scares his brother off. Christine has seen how much blood Donald has lost and knows he will die shortly. She doesn't have the strength to go after him again. The next day, the sheriff is called out to the farm less than a mile from the accident. He finds David's body twisted up in heavy thorns, eerily similar to how they had found Donald's body earlier in the night. He then takes Christine back to the airport, where the two talk about a potential future for them. Christine then starts having a reaction and is rushed to the hospital, where surgery discovers Donald had placed a stone inside of her abdomen using the scar from where she was attacked years before in New Guinea. The story ends with an epilogue where we learn that the prologue was about the twins' estranged father, and that he killed girls and hid them in mines when he was younger, but is now dying from black lung due to all his years of working in the mines. So, the big twist in the book is learning that David is a twin, and it is his brother Donald who is doing the murders that we experience. What did you think of this twist, and did it ever pop into your head, or did you have other ideas about how David knew about the murders while also maintaining his innocence?
1: Yeah, I mean, I did sort of suspect the twin thing at one point when I was reading. I mentioned Barry, I was like, so this is what's going on, and I think maybe it's like a twin thing, or... And I, we talked about before the DID was in the back of my mind, but that also didn't really feel right. And also the other theory that I had that didn't feel right was that he had some sort of like x file style, like psychic connection thing, but that was sort of what, kept bringing you back to like the twin thing was I was like, if he does have some sort of connection, it's only because he's a twin. Um, so yeah. And then when I was reading later on and I was like, it is a twin, Barry. <laughs>
0: <laughs> oh, to be a fly on the wall in that moment for me, I was I definitely... have, like
1: doohickey the page where I like
0: <laughs> twin. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I was all on the DID train. I, I mm. thought that's kind of where we're going with this, especially where david was having those blackouts and it you know that to richard's credit he really played this up very well by giving us david's point of view where we knew it was david's point of view giving us christine's point of view and then giving us the killer's point of view and not doing not telling us anything about the killer It, it really worked well to lead you to all kinds of different thought processes and then like i was saying it when the twin came out of quote unquote nowhere it didn't feel like such totally a out of nowhere. yeah it didn't feel like it was out it felt like okay no i can see how that makes sense even though we hadn't met donald yet i mean we kind of had through the killer's point of view but we didn't know who it was that it wasn't one of those moments where like oh i feel robbed that doesn't really make sense it was like no okay that works
1: so I think that he did a really good job, like setting the stage for the reveal in that the um, the kid that saw David or that saw Donald, but it was whatever, where like he wasn't sure when he was facing him straight on and then sees it the, in the reflection. And like that was I appreciated, too, that Christine kind of recognized in the moment that that was like really weird. I think that was like a testament to her ability as an investigator. But there were, yeah, there was enough of a setup where the reveal wasn't wholly surprising.
0: Yeah, and I appreciated, like you're saying, how Christine caught on to it, how in the interview that she has with David, yeah. she's like, this doesn't make sense. And like, thanks to, um, oh, what is that show? Um, Criminal Minds, right? The FBI, they make their profile, they stick to their profile. So, and she's like, this guy doesn't fit the profile. Like, And, and cool. the fact that, he was so thought out with how they took the the people that they took and then yeah. for David to have like his blackout moments, like very obviously in public that situation where he was trying to help that woman carry something. And then he like blacks out and he falls on her and wakes up to her, like struggling to get him off of her. It's like these, two don't make sense and that's kind of where a little bit where I was like okay well if it is DID that at least makes sense because maybe the consciousnesses are biting. and right. so it's like the, the well thought out one is so trying one to overpower them, and, and David's just barely holding on so it's like okay that kind of makes sense but what really made sense was that it was a whole nother entity
1: yeah and like when she's interviewing him and Kind of get included into how much he does not fit the profile. There's also like physical aspects that she's calling out, which I thought was really cool. You know, it makes sense that you know she knows that he's right-handed and like some of his like mannerisms and ticks and stuff. Like, of course, they're similar, but like, I don't know. I just appreciated the the groundwork <laughs> that was laid. I guess.
0: Yeah, and on that point too. Going back to that first chapter where we see the hunting and killing of um, the second victim, as it turns out to be. And she's like, oh, you know, I got in the truck with you at the carnival because I thought you were, I recognized you. Like we went to high school together. You were that shy kid who like freaked out when we were cutting a, by dissecting a goat's eye or a cow eye or something reflection. like that. And like you ran out of the room and now you like seem so confident and like, you know, it's, it's good to see you've grown up or whatever. And then when he starts hunting her and he's like, puts on the peacock mask and it's like, I'm freaking out. She's like, you're not that boy at all. Like, I can't believe that I mistook mistook you for him. And like, again, as you're reading that, okay, it fly by. And then you're like, well, all right, that makes sense for like, first of all, people change. So it could have just been like he changed. Secondly, again, going with the DID, which you're like, okay, that makes sense. But then when you find out the truth, that it is somebody else that just kind of looks like him, all that makes sense where it's like, okay. And even though Donald doesn't know that he's taking advantage of that, it's working out in his favor that he's taking care of who David is. So another one of those situations too, where it stood out so much at the time, it wasn't like other books where you reread and you're like, oh my God, like, I remember that part. Like it stood out so much that I was like, okay, that's a good building block that led you astray, but also made sense for the final reveal.
1: That's what I was going to say. Like it it works nicely both directions. You know, it didn't necessarily like point you in the wrong direction, but it did give you a potential miscue once you like learn later on what was really going on, you're like, oh, that totally tracks. But then like, as you're reading it in the moment, you're like, oh, okay, that could be explained away by a variety of things.
0: And and two, the other thing that I also think helped that is just how their connection in a lot of different things worked, right? They're both painters. Uh, Yeah. When Donald becomes obsessed with the stones... David goes from carving wood right. to now carving stones. And the fact that David is carving stones, we see that early on. Then we find out about the stones being in somebody's body. It's like, okay, well, obviously he's carving so them this... for them. And then yeah. you find out, no, the stones were stolen from the Chicago Museum. Oh, okay, so wait, is what? What's he doing? With the stones cars are or? in there. Yeah. yeah.
1: Yeah, because, like, I think at one point they even, somebody said something about David's stone carving work as, like, pretty good. It, like, looks like a little chess piece. Like, yeah, I think that Dr. Katz was his name, the forensic psychologist. Like, he did such a good job with that character being able to explain the sort of nuances of what was going on and, like, how perfect to have a character that can come in and be like, here's my PowerPoint about what's going on.
0: And, and to be fair, uh, he planted the idea. Like he did. they kind of like it wasn't just like here it is. Solve no, case. Totally. it was like well, this could be a reason for it. And again, that kind of going back to using real things like mirror twins is a thing. Like, yeah, and that's a that's a neat thing that I had never really heard. Oh, of. No, it's
1: like probably super rare. I imagine
0: you would think so, and it only obviously happens with identical twins, so that it's right. rare on top of rare. Right. But again just a cool way to use something and then exploit it to for your story and then finally the uh, the last thing that was interesting and i don't really know that it made sense but okay I was working on their connection was how david would just abruptly go to chicago to go to the museum of natural history or whatever it was where donald had gotten this idea and was so fascinated with the Oceania exhibit that he had helped work on And that was like a weird thing that they thought for David, like why would you just he tells his parents everything? And then like there's these 12, 14 hours where he just takes a bus to Chicago to go to the museum and it's because he's drawn there because of his connection to his brother. Like the premonitions and seeing the murders, I was like, sure. The fact that he just got on a bus to go to Chicago, I was like, that seems weird.
1: (laughs) It does seem weird, I think, especially because like if this connection that they have, I mean, they're what, 20, like how old are these guys? They're not young.
0: I don't it was never really discussed.
1: I was I would in, say mid, something like mid-20s to that's what I was
0: gonna say, mid to late twenties, yeah.
1: Yeah. So like the age that they are, it would it's surprising to me that it seems as though only recently David started being drawn to do things. Like if there were, I mean, I'm assuming that what's his name, the bad guy, Doug? Donald. Donald, Jesus, why couldn't I?
0: It should have James. been something much different. Like, yeah. David and Donald, no. Like, I know people do that with twins, but, like, couldn't we have had, like, David and
1: Sam? Yeah, so- James, yeah. I don't know, Fred.
0: Just name somebody. your what? father and my father-in-law. I know,
1: that, that was, was weird. That was not not purposeful. <laughs> um, Just something very different than David. The fact that, that Donald presumably had nasty proclivities his entire life why is it just now that david is being like more affected by them because he's finally like killing not david donald is finally killing i don't know like that part was kind of like not necessarily less believable but it's almost like why would there have never been any clue that he was a twin up until now
0: so they did touch on two things they touched on one when he was younger David experienced the rough. Remember they talked about how he was in the truck yes. with dad one day when yes. Ronald's mother made him eat a rock. Cause that was his punishment. Apparently that's a thing they do. And he like was choking and like yeah, yeah. Ronald was choking. David was choking, even though there was nothing there that happened at some point in his younger years.
1: But didn't and, his mom make him do that like a bunch?
0: I think so. I think that was his penance. No matter what yeah. she would take a piece of gravel and he would have to eat it.
1: But no. there was only like one time they brought it up happening to David.
0: Yeah, uh, so maybe the connection was—I don't know. Maybe it's the longer they're away. It was, the
1: signal was bad. It was a bad <laughs> yeah, signal. It
0: was, it was before cell towers, you know. It was
1: before five G. Yeah. Yeah,
0: and then the other one where David is like sleepwalking and yells at his mother because she, in Donald's world, Donald is a serial bedwetter as well his mother used to always yell at him for for wedding the bad wedding himself in public all this stuff and like David has a moment when he's sleepwalking where he's yelling at his mother for always yelling at him and she's like I've never that's not a thing like we don't know each other that they didn't explain when that happened um but that was kind of like the historical connections but yeah now that it's happening like every month it's severely (laughs) it was a, a bit of a stretch
1: yeah I guess that, yeah, I don't know. So
0: to defend that, Katz, uh, Dr. Katz does say that, like, it is when it is a stronger emotion. Whatever, Whatever. yeah. uh, Like, he even says, like, how, I mean, you've had this, your premonition about your grandfather, right? Like, when it's something, a big emotion happens, you can have that connection to, even if it's not twins. Like, so I guess that's because Donald was getting so excited
1: about about murdering.
0: murdering people. About the murdering. Uh, that it was coming more and more through to, to David, I guess.
1: Yeah, that that does make sense. I mean, especially just with the circumstances around the murders, that that would have heightened their connection, so to speak. But like, it does sound like Donald had a pretty rough upbringing. So I guess I'm surprised that there were so few scenarios the bleed over into David earlier on. But maybe they just like were able to write those off more frequently or easier when he was young i don't know like didn't he also at the bed wasn't that also a thing david did i don't know i don't remember anyway these poor dudes well mostly poor david i don't really care don't yeah
0: yeah fucked up so getting back to christine she does go rogue with her investigation after her boss won't listen to her So wondering what you made of her investigation and the question we always have for these books did you find it believable
1: so I think going rogue and getting the information from Katz to kind of solidify her theory was helpful. I appreciated that Katz was like a little Papa Bear style. Like, be careful because like you're in, in Yeah, not only that, but like, I think he might've recognized the connection between her past and the scenario, at least a little bit. The one thing that really pissed me off was when the cab she's in or taxi she's in breaks down she's like i'm just gonna run there like it's fine i'm so close and like didn't she already know that david was like am i from house arrest she did um what are you doing yeah really bad choice yeah that
0: that definitely seemed a little too cute and she's like oh the the kids won't understand like have the cabbie called like your phone's not working cabbie call the sheriffs tell them tell them you're fucking Screwed up, have them send somebody.
1: Yes. Like this yeah. is not the age of like telegrams. Like right. you can you can reach people. Also, why did that psychiatrist that went to visit with David and got dead by Donald have a fucking police scanner in his car? Like why? I
0: don't know. That, that- was
1: just that was a little too bow like.
0: Yeah, it was. And then the fact that he like has that uncapped syringe that is like a big enough sedative that it would take out David, who's bigger than him, but is too much for
1: him and would kill him. And he like I didn't I'm really... just gonna not did... safely carry us around.
0: Yeah, did he just accidentally stab it into himself or did Donald help him with that? I did That was really...
1: unclear. That was yeah, unclear.
0: Understand how that worked. And like, why is it not capped? What are you doing? I'm ready. Safety oh, first.
1: David. Also, like you've been dealing with David for so long, and you're this suspicious of him. Like maybe you're not doing, maybe you're not a great psychiatrist. You
0: know? Right? Yeah. And the, I the mean, pop- you didn't deserve
1: to die, but
0: the deputies there that were just like, "Oh, that oh. bus drove by and stopped. It was, it was too cute." It, yeah, I can get that if he snuck in through the fields of corn or whatever. But said, I'm wearing this like- hat. The bus stopped, and they're like, Oh, yeah. Oh, the, the doctor came out hiding his face. Makes sense. We didn't check his ID. You know, it's like,
1: Yeah. And then I got a text from my girlfriend. So I stopped paying attention. Right? Like, <laughs>
0: oh my God. Uh, yeah, that,
1: that whole sort of climax situation or like the build to the climax was a bit painful. Yeah. I mean, like, it was still entertaining. Like, it kept me reading, but I was like, Oh, no. Oh, yeah. no. <laughs> I mean, there was a lot
0: of those. He wrote it so there was logical jumps that yeah. she made, right? Yeah. Mirror twin. Okay, uh, let's figure this out. Let's find out if David has any uh, brothers. Oh, he's adopted. Okay, let's find the adoption agency. Oh, let's go through 17 fucking index cards that this old guy kept somehow that eventually gives us the name Donald and and the mom's name. And Oh, then we find out that the mom died three years ago. In a hospital when they found a rock lodged in her throat after she was there for like a stroke. But nobody said anything because, oh, you know, immigrants, you know, whatever. Uh, We're not going to waste our time on them. Sure. Okay. Now we have Donald. Oh, his last known residence is this condemned building that he just so happens to still be living in, squatting in. Storing
1: his gross innards that he eats.
0: Yeah, storing his human remains. Um, so excellent. So like logical steps yes but like bow 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 yeah. like, her hurdles were because her boss didn't believe her like yeah that, that was the it. actual it,
1: it, yeah the actual like investigating of the thing easy that peasy. thread
0: that thread pulled so smooth it was just so like smooth.
1: Whoop, not no even hiccups. a
0: single knot yeah yeah so it was, well, it was logical, it was, like, too cute too easy. in how it worked out. And then, again, like, she just goes scorched earth when, first of all, again, her boss is, like, the head of this FBI branch, like, the Midwest. That's big. It's not just like, oh, you're the head of Crest Crosshaven, Indiana. No, you're the head <laughs> of the Midwest branch. And you're just like, nope, we found our guy. I'm in the FBI. None of this evidence seems to make sense, but I'm okay with that oh, you think you found this other lead and you're our lead anthropologist, forensic anthropologist that we put the lead on this case? No, you're just a shunned woman. I'm hanging up on you. Give me a fucking break with that. He needs to be fired ASAP. I just don't believe that's how it would, especially if it's like, hey, we found human remains in this guy who's the twin.
1: But like, did she tell him about that though?
0: (laughs) She didn't get a chance to because he hung up on her. Oh, that's right. Okay. Wouldn't you beat that drum instead of just
1: uh, lead that lead with that lead with we just found human remains in this place that i wasn't supposed to be in
0: yes exactly and or call back or like yeah call yeah. your or secretary
1: or exactly
0: something send a fax get the word out instead of just immediately being like no i need to go behind everybody's back and call the da yeah. and have them release david because i know donald will come to find him and that's how we catch them
1: that was such a half-cocked plan. That was a full-cocked
0: plan. I, yeah, I okay, see, good Full-cocked is worse. <laughs>
1: full-cocked is worse. Conceptually, it makes sense that the twin would go after the other twin, but, like, girl, what? You're putting all these people in danger, so to speak. I mean, that poor guy totally got dead because of you. Yeah. <laughs> oh, man. Yeah, that was... She... There were moments where I was like, oh, she like really knows what she's doing. And then there were other moments where I'm like, this is not how you're supposed to do this.
0: (laughs) Yeah, it was just, again, I think it was just the whole, the whole setup of the FBI in this story was just so frustrating by (laughs) the lack of, uh, God, if Richards has experience with the FBI and this is how they acted, I hope they are no longer FBI. (laughs) (laughs) Jesus Christ, come on.
1: Yeah, the worst. Her boss. So gross.
0: So on that note, we then, before we get to the ending, I did want to bring up Christine and Joe's relationship uh, because it does happen. It's a part of the book. I was wondering what you thought of Christine and our county sheriff, Joe.
1: So I didn't love it, but I didn't hate it. I guess like we said, maybe before we started recording, like it didn't really add much to the story. It felt a little... So here's where it's weird. Like it, it felt forced in that it wasn't important for the story and that like of course like the, the woman who's really struggling to like find herself worth finds this very attractive podunk sheriff that is sweet and smart and respects her professionally and personally and that's great, but like why is it in here?
0: <laughs> it was I think a way for christine to open up and be more vulnerable and show i guess that side of her i guess i I don't know like there's the growth that happens again going back to her affair with thorn where she lies about the scar and then that's the big thing at the end where she tells the truth to joe and and, like so he knows sure there's character growth there there's vulnerability okay for as much as it didn't feel needed, I will say it at least felt believable.
1: Yeah, but, their chemistry was decent. Yeah, and and
0: even if you weren't feeling the link between them, at least they were both kind of proceeding like baby steps. Like they had both yeah. kind of been like out of the game or yeah. dealt with bad relationships in the past. Also so weighing like- into it, their it, professional jobs that they put all of their time and in life into, and yeah. knowing like okay, well this could look bad professionally. I need to make sure X Y Z is happening. I appreciated that it felt like if two different police officers or whatever people in
1: law enforcement.
0: Thank you, law enforcement were coming together, it felt believable in how they would proceed because sure. they didn't want rumor spread or just whatever.
1: Yeah, they would be more cautious than and yeah. just
0: as two people kind of older who have, you know, not had great relationships, baggage. it made sense that it wasn't just, hey, we're gonna bang and wake yeah. up tomorrow and see what happens. It was like, oh yeah. we kissed. They took it slow it felt like I wrote this where it was like, he gently placed his hand on her shoulder and the warmth went through her body. (laughs) It just felt like it was not Richard's forte. And again, this is, it's the weird dichotomy. I think I used that right. Of this book where he takes such great leaps with these real things and like Mm. weaves them into a story. Cool. And then it's like on the personal level, he like just completely flops. And you wonder, like I said before we started, like were they, was there something here where it was a professional relationship and somebody's like, well, you're a little off on your word count. What if we like weaved in some more romance okay? here to see where that goes? And I don't think it could be that uh, exaggerated because, you know, for him to come to Chicago where she tricks him instead of going out to dinner, they go to look at the decrepit building. I don't, I think that had to be in there from the start. So I don't think it was necessarily that we need to add it. But I just feel like there was
1: flesh it out more than what was maybe originally.
0: Yeah. And it could have just been a professional. Like, that was the other thing, too. We see such the shitty men of the FBI. And Joe is the exact opposite. It's like, look at this contrast. He's so amazing. He treats her as a professional. He treats her like she has a brain. Oh, my God. He'll listen to her beliefs. (laughs) and and for his credit too joe is this backwoods county sheriff but he's not a country bumpkin he's this guy who who went to law school and then dropped out and decided he wanted to do something and became the youngest sheriff in town so good i guess but it just felt like it just didn't feel right like it's kind of like You're watching something and you're like, no, that just doesn't seem right. There's just those moments where you're like, ah, that doesn't, it's not pulling you completely out of the book. Cause again, it was easy to read. It was a quick read, but it was just kind of like, ah, I don't, I don't love that.
1: Yeah. Yeah. And I, I think that one thing that it being in there made me more, I had like a heightened awareness or, expectation of him to swoop in as like a waiting for the damsel in distress to be saved by the sheriff, the Podong sheriff. So, the buildup that was occurring with their relationship made me feel like that was what was going to happen. And similarly, like you said before, their chemistry was like not unbelievable, it was perfectly fine and wasn't like cringy or forced or whatever. But then I also appreciate that he didn't make it so that Joe saved the day. Yeah. I mean, I guess there's little bits where like he was pivotal and important. But the fact that um, that was something about that last car chase scenario, or I guess you can't even call it a car chase. But when he ends up like he's gone into the accident, I was like, oh, that's that's not what I expected.
0: Yeah. (laughs) Yeah, he he just came to bring her a gun, basically. Right. He didn't have time to get her. She's like, oh, take my gun. I'm upside down. So we can get into that. What do you think of the ending with Christine uh, getting picked up by Donald and the eventual chase crash and then standoff? And I will say, before we get into the details, this was another one where the timing for me didn't always make sense. Like, Mm. all she kept talking about was how fast Donald was driving. He's driving so fast. He's driving so fast. And then... She has that where she's taken, knocked unconscious by the stun gun and she wakes up and he's like, Oh, you've got a little secret. Okay. Creepy as fuck. Yeah. Um, so obviously he pulled over to do something there, but then he's gunning it again. And she's like, well, maybe he'll get empty. Okay. Now I'm going to make the call to the sheriff. And the sheriff had no idea where she was before that. But then in like when it was like, I had to read it twice. It was it was a, a feisty and troll. It was like, well, suddenly lights appeared, or she could see like the lights or whatever. And Donald was like, "Don't do anything funny." And then it was the sheriff, you know, making the car maneuver to to run them off the road. I was like, "Wait, how the fuck did he get?" She's been talking about how fast he's been going. Is the sheriff going? Stu-? Roy used to have a Jeep Grand Cherokee around this time and it maxed out at 85. I can't imagine a fucking old Ford Bronco is no double timing up to catch up to whatever this car is that, that no. they had.
1: which like I did picture it as sort of one of those like wood paneled, like station wagon, Cadillac type things like a roadboat. <laughs> I don't know yeah. why, but that just is like what, cause the doctor was like wearing tweed or whatever. I just pictured he was <laughs> driving some like ridiculous vehicle. In any oh. case, I agree that that last scene chase situation was very muddy. I think I I was invested enough at that point to be like, how is this going to turn out? I think 50% of me was still waiting for someone to swoop in and save her. Yeah. So I think I was like reading real fast to like find out when that happens.
0: <laughs> yeah, it d- definitely had that where you're getting close to the end. You, you know, you're about to, you know, it's going to, it's going to, work itself out so i was doing the same thing and that's kind of like with the troll with that light mm. scenario i was like wait what and i had to like go back yeah. and not only read that but read the paragraph above it it was like <laughs> where the fuck did this come from where
1: am i <laughs> yeah
0: what is happening here and What's the fact that like on? the fact is, again another too cute moment both of them have been trying to call each other's cell phone all day it's never working it's never working she like you know bags down by her side and she like reaches <laughs> in there to like call the last number she called which is him and hopefully it goes through because her battery's dying of course too and then she's like oh so we're going to blackie indiana okay oh look at that gas station uh the shell oh um, we're four miles east of the highway and it's like Yes. yes. Donald is sitting be there being like, talking normal. <laughs> yeah.
1: <laughs> and he's like, don't try any funny business, which like clearly you're doing. <laughs> it's been funny the whole time, pal. Oh uh, my god. Uh, also, like I thought her phone had straight up already died. The battery was dead. Like I, that that bit, that whole scenario was just very like a fast you hit fast forward and you're watching the show in faster speed, and then you get to like the point. Where you yeah. need to be.
0: Yeah, it just didn't seem as again, it didn't seem as well thought out as some of the other pieces. And like, yeah. it, it was coming. Sure, it worked, I guess, but it just felt, that, I guess, like you're saying, rushed. Fast forward, it was just weird a little bit. Another one of those moments where you're like off, a little off. um Which, yeah. again, you know, maybe a different agent or somebody kind of pieces that together, and it's like, hey, let's let's rework this bit because that doesn't right. really. I don't think it's working the way you think it is on top of that we have so the the crash happens she checks joe she calls for help great she goes off hunting david somehow finds him very easily i guess she has a flashlight and he doesn't so he decides he decides to attack her and she gut shots him right and then they scuffle and he breaks away and she's she's tired because she's had a long day obviously
1: oh rough such a rough day
0: she runs after him and then he's able to attack her again bleeding out from a gut shot and she's only like saved because then David comes out of nowhere. And again, that's just another one of those, like, it's a feisty and bow where David gets, David, we didn't even talk about that. Like the little girl walking around the woods finds David and he's like all beat up. And like, did he jump out of
1: the car? I guess. Okay. So I think he did. I think he like did a tuck and roll. Can I just say though that like on Richard's part, that one bit where um, the sheriff is responding to the kid, the missing kid. And he like happens across David carrying this girl and he like talks about shoot. Like he, I think he's, sh- that was a really cool moment. And also one of those ones where I was like, you're ending right here. Like rude.
0: Yeah. Yeah. It's a good cliffhanger for a chapter. And then we just went away from it, but uh, just the, the whole, everything of now David's there to stop, to save her uh, in a way. From well, the- I
1: knew somebody was going to save her. Had to and be somebody. Then,
0: and and then they both just run off. <laughs> it's yeah. just like now I'm too tired. I'll just oh I see the other cops are here. Like I can see their headlights. I'll let them
1: take care of it. Yeah. And it's a yeah, drive. It was very out. anticlimactic.
0: It really was. Like,
1: or how intense it was. Plus, like, it's this dark field. Like, how can you tell anything that's going on? And why would you just let him run away? Like, the dude has already gone against what you expected multiple times.
0: Yeah, well, she told us. She was like, that got shot. I know he's dead soon. I'm like, I, I just mean, don't.
1: sure. But, like, do you know? Do you I don't wow. know that and then like the I guess this is technically in the epilogue but the bit about David also being caught up in those thorns was like really sad I feel like David had gotten to the point where as a character where I was like I would love to see him not be a twin anymore <laughs> to have the, <laughs> yeah. the, Donald be dead and to him be able to like live his life which I guess part of of the whole point there is that he's not really a full person because they're so right. connected, but that was just like really sad. Also how frequently they brought up those thorns throughout the entire book.
0: <laughs> I know. I, I never want to go to South. Southern right. And and terrible terrible. Apparently. Yeah, that uh, and they do try to play that off where it's like, oh, the pain of of Donald dying must have been too much. And then he like wandered into these thorns and died eerily similar to his twin brother. Like it just that was he another thing that right. didn't didn't. Yeah, exactly. It left you kind of be like,
1: ah, OK,
0: I get we're trying to do the connection thing again. But it's like, nah.
1: Eh. it was a little I, weak. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. I mean, it made sense to me that he would also have died, you know, from like a symmetry standpoint. (laughs) Yeah. But from a yeah, from a how it happened and the explanation was a little
0: Yeah, exactly. And before that happened, we had the scene with Christine and Joe at the airport where she misses the last flight out because maybe our universes can collide or whatever she was saying freaking hippies and their big words and uh then she like he like touches her forehead or something she's like burning up and they find the stone they find like she even shows him the scar and when he mentions the scar he's like oh there's a part that looked like extra angry or something yeah
1: clue there's a clue also (laughs) like how could he have put something in there did he also sew her back up again because like i don't think he did And she's like, oh yeah, this like you don't look at your big long full torso scar ever and recognize when something doesn't look right or feel right. If somebody fucking put something in there, you'd know.
0: You certainly would think you would feel a stone in your abdomen. Yes. Yes. Or a
1: fresh or a fresh wound, if not the stone (laughs) in your abdomen.
0: Or like just because your taste, like, do you not wake up to pain? It's not like she was like some drugs. Like
1: so. I listened to a true crime podcast recently. It's a father-daughter duo. It's actually really cute. Like she finds a story and tells him about it. And he is like a, he's in law enforcement. So he's like kind of got some behind the scenes expert stuff. Oh, he's a traffic cop. So he like does homicides, traffic homicides. But he was talking, they were talking about tasing. And he was like, you know, tasing is awful. It really fucking hurts. But then as soon as the things are gone, you feel fine again. And so in this, I was was reading to this part, reading this part in the book, and she was, like, all groggy from being tased. And I guess, like, if you've been tased for, like, a long period of time, I could understand your body being like, oh, shit, that was a lot. But from what I understand, like, once you're not being tased anymore, the pain is, like,
0: gone. uh, Again, especially to knock her unconscious to the point where he could cut into her, put something in her, assuming patch her up. Because uh, it wasn't like she was bleeding yeah. everywhere. Yeah, that that seemed like a stretch. Again, we're, we just wanted that moment where he put something in her, put the stone in her. And then that confused me too, because like she then calls Dr. Katz and he's like, oh, well they did it for their dead as a sign of respect or something like that. So maybe he was showing respect for you. Okay. If he was doing that, that was before the chase, before the cops were involved, when he was taking her to Blackie, Indiana to do whatever with. So what was he doing? Like, that was where I think the first or second murder was, whatever it was. So what? what, why would he think to stop and do that in the middle of this chase getaway scene before it's a chase? And then... uh, uh.
1: Yeah, I mean, like, the respect aspect doesn't really track for me. Because, like, if anything... He says something about how, basically, be- he saw her her attempt at a speech at the museum and like saw how she reacted to the icons, and he assumed that she had a similar level of interest in it, but like that, to me, doesn't necessarily note, denote respect for her. That's sort of like, we have a mutual interest. Yeah, also, like, read the room, bro. That's not what was going on.
0: We both like football, so I put a tiny football figure inside of you. <laughs>
1: <laughs> there you go. Uh,
0: I was, um, I don't know. And, and again, I think it was just to have that moment where she yeah. could, you know, it, it's for the back, you know, the the finally complete yeah, deadly, deadly ritual begun so long ago. I was like, ah, I just, I don't know. This is, uh, I, I like want to be nicer to the book and I didn't mind when I was reading it, but this is when we were talking about it. I'm like, oh, there's, there's more than I thought here that kind of oh. hurts me.
1: I think a lot of it just goes back to the ability to write thrillers successfully is that's fucking tough and we have a pretty high bar with all the Harlan Coben that we read. It's true. So I think that it's really maybe not fair to place Mr. Richards on quite the same pedestal because this is his first book and like it was very it was very enjoyable read i think i would tell somebody who enjoys thrillers to read this book like it was fun i mean i wouldn't say like this is the best book i've ever read or this is the most enticing thriller i've ever read but if you're a fan of like true crime and that kind of thing this totally is on par with that
0: yeah i think it's a little niche too where it's like oh if you want to like support a local author or something yeah. like that you know like you see those in bookstores around here where it would be like okay that could be something too where it's like it's good enough to recommend like you're saying not our first recommendation obviously
1: no and there's like not to speak ill of him but there is another vermont thriller off that i would recommend before him so <laughs> archer Mayer, go find him he's great yeah.
0: Just not TikTok famous enough yet. No. Uh, maybe although maybe
1: I don't know. Maybe he has a TikTok. I don't know. He also has like a huge, he's been, he's written so many books. So like, again, similar to Harlan Coben, like totally different echelon of, of writer. Yeah. <laughs> Just in terms of, of longevity.
0: <laughs> nice. So the last thing I had to touch on, we oh. when we get the facts about the New Guinea adventure and everything, like, again, it's realistic because kids are naive and stupid. And you could see somebody being that stupid. And uh, she even
1: said it too. She was like, I was an idiot.
0: <laughs> the fact that she's like sliced from ribcage to hip and somehow like rolls into a river and swims.
1: Good thing she's out- a great swimmer.
0: However long uh, until she sees party goers on some fucking dock miles down the river that save her. The fact that she like didn't bleed out, like all this, like, okay, whatever. Sure, I'll give Are you it to holding you.
1: holding your insides in while you're swimming? Like yeah. what's going on?
0: Okay, it just, again, it felt like a stretch. Yes, that's a nice way of putting it. So then the last thing was the epilogue, which we then, like I said, spoilers, like we meet the estranged father of the twins and kind of learn about his story. And then we learned that he was from the prologue because the prologue, that one page of this guy chasing after uh, his neighbor and then sniffing and eating dirt or whatever the fuck he was doing on all fours was weird as fuck. But it was believable that that could have been eventually Donald, like that was something he would do. And okay. the, hunt, the hunt was such a big thing for him. So then to find out that it's this other guy, their strange father and the tie-ins that that has was a neat little thing, I guess. Like yeah. I, it's kind of like, again, an, a surprising use of, the epilogue and the prologue. Mm-hmm. Like, again, you you did something very different here, which is surprising when you think of some of the other things that I think you bumbled a bit, so.
1: <laughs> yeah, yeah, I mean, I liked the concept of it being like hereditary cannibalism yeah. because that was what she was kind of researching or hunting for in Papua New Guinea. So I think that was a nice little bookend or, or come back, circling back, that I don't think you often see so, I mean I guess it was a kind of feisty and bow scenario, but it was it was a neat way to tie things up without being too out of left field. Does that make sense? Like it Yeah.
0: Yeah and it was it, unexpected. It,
1: it was unexpected, but I also felt like it helped me to kind of come to grips with the connection between what was going on with Donald in Indiana and what had happened to her in Papua New Guinea. And like granted it's not as though the strange father had any connection to this tribe but just that the parallel existed and in this like town that is nowhere near <laughs> me. yeah
0: and like just had a a one-time thing with this the, the woman the mother uh um, right
1: yeah that,
0: yeah that had kids that he had nothing to do with
1: so strange yeah nature versus nurture <laughs> yes
0: yes exactly Uh, But again, just a different way to use the epilogue. All right, cool. It is interesting with Goodreads, when I put this on there, seeing that there is a second book coming uh, and it will still be following uh, Christine Prusik. Like, is this, is it somehow going to get into like the cold case of the father's murders? Is there more to that? Is that why he- That I feel it would be more. Like- I agree.
1: I wouldn't want it to be like the same topic. Like if it's her and the same character, cool. But I feel like it needs to be different-
0: yeah, I agree. But I mean, how many other very unique situations can she have that she then experiences? Well, in maybe case it's case just case? like her
1: being an FBI investigator. It's not like she's—I don't know—like Miss Fisher's, where she's just like, "Oh, I happen across this murder all the time. Like, <laughs> oh, look, this is another job. murder."
0: <laughs> uh, yeah, it's uh, it's like Cabot Cove. Uh, so many murders happen in Cabot Cove. You gotta—you don't want to live there. Probably the same in in Southern Indiana, I guess.
1: Yeah, I mean, one of the True Crime podcasts I listen to, the hosts are from Indiana, and they do cover quite a few homegrown <laughs> issues.
0: There you go. Did you have anything else for this book?
1: Um, No, I think that we covered it all.
0: I agree. So um, one last time, it is Stone Maidens by Lloyd Devereaux Richards. And a good cover, too. I wonder if yeah, that's was part like, of the replay. I was,
1: like, sticking to my table, because it's, like, kind of a soft feel
0: so you can find that uh at least on amazon but probably in other bookstores too so um with that we will now move out of spoilers and moving out of spoilers before we move away from the book we have to give it a grade this is your first time on the show we do this as a d20 one is bad 20 is good and then we add or subtract a skill or ability check based on the dungeons and dragons game This episode, Taja is up first. So Taja, what did you give this book?
1: So I gave it a straight roll of 10. I felt like it was pretty solidly in the middle of enjoyment and quality and sort of like meh. (laughs) I don't want to say that there were like necessarily bad parts. I think you talked about before how you felt like maybe we were shitting on this a little bit more than we thought we would. And I don't think that it's necessarily shitting on the book or the writing. It's just there's, we have a, a certain level of experience with thrillers and reading this genre. And I think that this did a really great job for a first time author. Yeah. Um, there were lots of things that he did that were surprising and good and lots of things that he did that were not great but not bad. So yeah, I'm going to give it a straight rule of 10. I'm also going to give it a plus three. And I <laughs> was going to go with investigation, but that seemed a little too on the nose. Um, so instead, I'm going to do insight. Um, because I think that Christine, in particular, as she was our main character, it fits. She really used a lot of her own investigative skills and intuition and just like, trusting her gut but also what she was finding like the facts of things um so it wasn't like she just flew by the seat of her pants in terms of like i have this feeling that it might not be him like she is actually using fact and and that kind of thing so that's a lucky number 13 which i think is very apt because there were a lot of things about this book that ended up very lucky
0: (laughs) nice uh so for me i was gonna make it a little higher and then as we're talking about it i feel like maybe (laughs) I, i went a little too high So my straight roll is going to be a 12, Uh, kind of going off what you were saying. I think this shows how much a bigger publishing house can help a debut novel. Mm -hmm. Even like with debut novels, we've read, we've had debut novels score very poorly, um, Uh, where we just haven't enjoyed them, where you can tell that there's issues in the writing, or they kind of lose themselves. and you know, regardless of who was helping them, it just didn't seem to work. That wasn't the case with this. I think a bigger publishing house maybe would have cleaned it up a little bit more, maybe would right. have made more sense of that third act, which got a little uh, muddy, muddy. Yeah. But I also like the guy put a lot of his life into this book so yeah. many years. And then the that feel good story of, you know, people finding it on TikTok and having um, it become something now uh, that being said i don't think it needs to be made into a movie but um, good on this guy that's such a cool thing that um i can't imagine what that experience was for him and his family as yeah. as kind of that was part of the video i saw at least where uh the daughter talks about like how important the family is to and two like right. so just a feel good moment uh that also bumped it up a little bit so for me i'm giving it a plus one for deception and that is spoiler ridden and why but I felt like he did a lot of things good and when it came to this story that he did some unexpected things and used some situations like the epilogue the prologue that we've seen used for garbage and I thought he did it a different way so while I didn't agree with all of the things he did and I thought he fell into some tropes unnecessarily I thought he did use a lot of different thought and brought in different ideas that are real and made them work for his story so it's also a lucky number 13 for me as well with that plus one on deception so again like we're kind of saying in spoilers if you skipped out on that i feel like this is a book that could be recommended if you go in with those beliefs like if it got all that viral fame and then was a gork the teenage dragon oh that's a whole different story like this was still a solid book it had issues but it was still a solid story and a way better thriller uh, that I that I could write. Like I would never tackle that as my first book. That's just oh
1: my god, no! Such a
0: challenging <laughs> thing to do. So kudos for for that as well.
1: Yeah. Can I just say that there was uh, like book fair thing. It was like a in St. Albans that we went to, it was not at all what I was expecting, but they had like little booths set up. And one of the booths, it was like an antiquities kind of thing. So there were all these like really old, like first and third editions for very much money. One of the booths had a copy of Gork, the Teenage Dragon. And I was like, what are you doing? Why is this here?
0: How much was it? You should have bought it. I were... didn't
1: even look. I didn't touch it.
0: Was that <laughs> first? Wait, are Gork's first editions? Oh my God. Are Probably. They
1: it was the same <laughs> cover art. <laughs>
0: Oh, that's too good. Blast from the past. If you're just joining us, don't go back and listen to episodes. No,
1: or do because it's hilarious. It is
0: (laughs) hilarious. So on that note, um, we got a couple segments before we leave. Uh, So we are going to start with current selection. Taja, what have you been listening to, reading, and doing otherwise?
1: So I am still listening to The Dragon Reborn during my lunchtime walks
0: I was wondering about that because uh, I, f- I feel like it's been very elongated so
1: what happens is I'll find an audiobook that I get more excited about or I'm listening to it like Wild Seed was an audiobook so I had to listen to that first so like Dragon Reborn keeps getting pushed to the back burner yeah. and then it'll become my like walk book again once I'm done with the the book that I am actively reading it is
0: the audiobook version of a toilet book you get you yes. to the bathroom and it's yes. just there when you need it
1: that's exactly right. Yeah. No, it is the audio version of a, of a bathroom book. And I'm also reading Babel still. Admittedly, a lot of my reading time last weekend got eaten up by the vacation planning and research, which was like a, such a time suck. So I got no reading done last weekend. That's fair. Um, yeah and it's huge and my goal is to have it done until i can give it back to nerd at camp unlikely to happen i'm on page like 59 and there's like 540 so
0: yeah that one is hefty for sure i've been kind of in the same place because i am also trying to read books so i can give them to you and Mm -hmm. on top of reading this one the only book i was able to read also being down in florida uh, yeah i love Mm -hmm. my parents but they listen to their tv so goddamn loud that there's nowhere in the house i can escape and read and like i am one of those i can't have any noise you can't have but headphones. It,
1: oh really it oh, i you. like list. i like put headphones on just to read
0: see well yeah i can't do that like i would almost have noise canceling headphones just not to have to listen wow
1: no to what they're would...
0: like if amanda's listening to tiktok even quietly i will go to the bedroom like i just wow. i can't have anything it's really Weird. So having that and also trying to read 650 page books, I got one down this last uh, nice. two weeks. So that was Wrath of Empire. That is the second of Brian the
1: McClellan.
0: yeah, Brian, McKellen, Brian McClellan um, second series in nice. the Powder Mage world. Okay. So still going strong. I can't talk too much about it because you're going to read it. So um, excited. a lot, the ending to it, like, you know, a second book sometimes can be like, it's just building to the third, whatever. ending to that one i was like immediately i was like i need to pick up the third one and i was like i I have to read the podcast book so the countermage
1: trilogy second book was my favorite as well
0: so it'll be interesting to see how they wrap this one up and again i don't want to give everything away but i'm very interested to see where the third book goes and this is a completely different world different story different things happening than the first one but uh, still the same world so similar powers and magic and all that stuff so it's, it's been very enjoyable. And like I said, that such a good cliffhanger at the end of the second one that I was nice. like, I need to read the third one. But I was like, no, I have to read the podcast book. But I yeah. like finished the podcast book and started this the same day, which I don't usually do. So it's like, okay, I need to get right back into it. Nice.
1: So, oh, I'm excited.
0: Uh, and I'm about uh, like 150 pages, I think into the third one. So I will definitely Wait, it's a
1: 600 page.
0: Oh, yeah, they're like all six to 650. Well, I saw that on Instagram where people were like, oh, you know, when people tell me they read books and it's like, you know, the fiction, like the cute fiction ones, like beach read and yeah, it's like, this is how big they are. And it's like, then when I tell them I read fantasy and it's like three books equal 10. (laughs) I read the orange
1: tree all the time.
0: Yeah, they're just so big, so uh, but it's great. I love it. And uh, yeah, I'm excited, I'm excited to excited. give those to you. Nice. On that note, we get to random recommendation and man, we were getting random. If you got some for us, send them to us because Thanks. reading 600 page books and working outside, there's not as much Doesn't time Doesn't give us read. a lot of
1: time. <laughs> so
0: uh, this one is I got from my dad. So my dad gave me back 17 books. I brought 12 down with me and I was like, my backpack's going to be so light on the way home. And he was like, nice. here's 17 back. And this one, I was like, Dad, this isn't my book. And he's like, that's okay. I think you'll really like it. I was like, okay. So I like packed it away. And then right before I left, he was like, oh, that was my neighbor's book. But it's fine. They won't miss it. I'm like, okay, thanks. So this book came all the way from Florida. Uh, The book is Watchers by Dean Koontz.
1: Is that a dog? Is that a dog on the cover? It is
0: a dog. So uh, I was going to read the back. But basically, from a top secret government laboratory come two genetically altered Altered life forms. One is a magnificent dog of astounding intelligence. The other, a hybrid monster of a brutally violent nature. And both are on the loose. Bum bum
1: bum. Intriguing.
0: Yeah. So uh, apparently this. It's came out- dies though. I'm done. <laughs> I'll let you know. Apparently it came out in 1987. Wow. It's one of the novels that put Coons on the map. So he is nice. a name that heard, I recognize. Yeah, yeah but I've, I've never read, read any no. of his stuff. So. It's on the list and dad recommended it. So at some point I'll tell you if it's really worth it. But,
1: okay. Sounds good.
0: Um, yeah. So we'll see. So again, it's a uh, watchers by Dean Koontz. So nice. check, check that out and you can let me know how it is, or I'll let you guys know at some point. Moving on from that. We have one last thing to touch on before we leave you. And that is what is on the next podcast, the next 50th episode. Very excited about it. And I'm also very excited about this This is one of our favorite authors. He has scored above 20 on both books we've covered so far by him. And this is his new one that came out uh, last month, I believe it was. And it is In the Lives of Puppets by T.J. Kloon. Just as always, his artwork is so incredible. And this little blurb I stole from the back. It's a powerful story of humanity and what survives after we're gone. An enchanting tale of Pinocchio in the end times. So boy we will see about that amanda has already read it and uh just watching her read it i was like no we need to cover this we need to get to that book so i'm very excited because Clue has been great Mm -hmm. Um, great read for us so that's it on that we are done another episode in the books thanks for hanging out everybody so this has been the abc pod the adult book club with taja and russell keep reading